Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of AdMail. This is Adam Bergman, founder and CEO of IRA Financial. I'm here to help you find the answers to the most frequently asked questions from my clients about self-directed retirement accounts. If you want to learn more, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Just search IRA Financial. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of AdMail. I'm Adam Bergman, tax attorney, founder of IRA Financial. And we got a really good episode for you today. Three superb questions. One dealing with seller financing, another dealing with corporate stock, and a third with S-Corp stock. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's let's get right to it. First question is from Harold M. of Stamford, Connecticut. Harold wants to know, which of the following securities can my Roth IRA hold as investment in my privately held startup, Delaware C-Corp? So then he asks, preferred, common, founder stock, convertible debt security. So the answer is all of the above, right? The question is not about the actual security, whether it's common, preferred, or founder stock. The question is, how much do you own of the company and will you be paying fair market value? Those are the two ways the IRS can attack a transaction into a privately held business. So number one, on 49.75, the IRS is clear that an entity becomes disqualified when it's owned 50% or more by a disqualified person or persons. And a disqualified person is the IRA owner or his or her lineal descendants, parents, children, spouse, daughter-in-law, son-in-law, as well as any entities controlled by such persons, over 50%. So if you own less than 50%, that's the first category you need to check off. The second category is you need to be, you need to show that you can pay or you are paying fair market value for those shares. So on a startup, it's obviously much easier to show that you're paying fair market value because there's not a lot of value in that shell company, right? There's no goodwill. There's no revenues likely. There's no profits. It's a startup. But an existing company, for example, uh, a restaurant or or, or retail um, store, uh, there generally will be revenues and profits or losses and goodwill. So it's it's much more difficult to just show that you're paying a dollar per share. You need to be very, very, very sure that you're paying fair market value. Again, those are the only two ways the IRS can attack a transaction to a privately held business under 50% and paying fair market value. Now I'm going to give you a, but give you some legal CYA is there's always case law and there's a case Rollins v. Commissioner to tax court case, early two thousands. I've talked about Rollins quite often. It's one of my favorite cases to kind of show and display um, to clients what the IRS is thinking. So real quick uh, breakdown of the facts. Rollins owned less than 50% of a number of businesses. The businesses were in some financial difficulty. He took his 401k and lent the money to the businesses at regular interest rates. He was an accountant actually. And the IRS somehow found out about these uh, transactions. They argued the transactions were prohibited because um, it was a self-dealing conflict of interest and the tax court agreed and, and Rollins and his attorneys basically argued and said, Hey, I own less than 50% under 4975. I'm good. Why are you bothering me? And they said, well, yes, you do own under 50, 49, uh, well under 50% as per 4975, but 
we don't believe you made the investments to help your IRA. We believe you made the investment to help your business, uh, which you own personally. So we think there's a conflict of interest and also self-dealing because the IRA investment was not made to exclusively benefit the IRA, but it was done to help you out, Mr. Rollins, so you don't lose your personal investment. So why did I bring the Rollins case into this example? Well, yeah, I did say under 50% in fair market value, but even if you're under 50%, anytime you use personal money in a investment that you have, uh, at least a closely held business that you have ownership in, um, there's always a sliver risk. Um, not to say the IRS will attack it, but they will look at the facts and circumstances. So if your facts are bad, meaning the company needs the money, then they could easily um, just reference the Rollins case and, and attack it. If it's a startup, kind of the Peter Thiel uh, model with PayPal, he put in a couple thousand bucks that turned into 25 million plus. That's much harder for the IRS to attack because who can make the argument that that $2,000 is really needed to start the company, right? And then the value, again, would be harder to attack because it's a startup. It's a shell company. There's nothing there, just an idea. So you'd have to look at the facts and circumstances. The more established the company is, um, the, the more you own, obviously. And again, the financial position of the company, is it a good financial position? Does it need money? where is it in regards to, to those factors, that could be very determinative to the IRS whether the transaction is prohibited. So I know it's super confusing, Harold. It's a great question. Yes, you can do preferred common founder stock convertible debt. Again, it comes down ownership under 50% and make sure you pay fair market value for these shares, the same amount that any investor would pay or, or any other founders, co-founders. And if you are under 50%, clearly it's a closely held business, um, make sure that the facts and circumstances are in your favor, meaning uh, the Rollins facts don't present itself that the company actually needs the money and without this money, uh, you wouldn't be able to get your personal deal done and the IRS could potentially then argue self-dealing. So the IRS has generally three-year statute of limitation. They've talked about extending it to six years, but right now in the books, it's a three-year statute and that's what they would have to attack the transaction. Second question from YouTube. Does seller financing for a real estate deal trigger UBTI for my self-directed IRA? So quick answer is yeah. Anytime there's leverage used in an IRA to buy a real estate or even in a business and it's a flow through, whether your IRA owns the real estate directly or employs an LLC and not a C-Corp, if there's more than a net thousand dollars of profit on an annual basis, the unrelated business taxable income tax, UBTI or UBIT will be triggered the highest tax rate is now 37%. So once the net income from that investment is over 30,000 or so attributable to the leverage, you're gonna get hit with this UBTI tax. Well, I should say your IRA will get hit. IRA pays it, pays it on a form 990T, um, and it's an IRA tax. So give you an example. You put $100,000 down from your IRA and you do seller financing for $100,000 to buy this $200,000 condo on, on, on the water. And so it's 50-50 debt to equity ratio. If you have $10,000 of net profits after expenses, debt payment, depreciation alike, 50% of that $10,000 would be subject to the UBTI tax, which can travel as high as 37%. So that's just kind of a rough estimate of how it works. Uh, you do get to take into account a pro rata percentage of expenses and depreciation. Uh, obviously debt payment counts as an expense, so that will reduce 
their net income. What a lot of people do is they will increase their debt payments uh, each year to wipe out their profit. So number one, it, it pays the debt down quicker. And number two, there's no UBIT because there's no um, more than $1,000 of net income since you used all the free cash to pay the debt. And uh, that accomplishes the uh, elimination of the UBTI tax and, and hopefully the acceleration of, of the debt payment, which will help the asset get clear and free and clear uh, at a much uh, faster pace. So that's a strategy some self-directed IRA investors uh, utilize. Again, if you using a 401k under 514c9, there's an exemption to UBTI. So if this question was seller financing for real estate in a 401k, then there would be no UBTI so long as it's a use for real estate acquisition. Um, so that um, obviously makes the 401k super attractive for real estate investors that are focused on debt. Uh, debt needs to be non-recourse still. You can't personally guarantee it, but you will be able to escape the application of the UBTI tax if you used a 401k versus an IRA. So just kind of keep that in mind. Yes, you need to be self-employed to use the solo K, uh, even if it's a part-time side business, that will work, uh, but you need to be eligible to set up the solo 401k versus an IRA where anyone with retirement accounts or, or anyone that has an earned income that could put in six or $7,000 a year can start an IRA, even if they are not self-employed. So Good question from YouTube. I get this a lot with seller financing and it is still leverage. Uh, make sure it's a non-recourse loan so you're not personally guaranteeing the seller finance, but yeah, it could trigger UBIT. So third question, why can't my IRA own S-Corp stock? So I actually uh, got this question a couple of days ago. Um, it's not an IRA issue actually, it's section 1361 of the tax code talks about um, S-Corp, shareholder rules. And basically, uh, to be an S-Corp, you need to be a domestic corp. And there are certain shareholders. You need to have less than 100 shareholders, one class of stock. It's got to be individuals. Certain trusts in the states are allowed, like a 401k. Partnerships, corps, non-residents are not allowed. IRAs are not allowed. So, um, believe it or not, a 401k is, but it would probably trigger UBIT because it's uh, owned or an S-Corp is treated as a pass-through entity. So it may not be tax advantageous for a 401k to own an S-Corp stock or common stock, but it's technically possible. An IRA is not allowed. Single member LLC can, not partnerships, not corps, and not non-resident aliens or you know, non-Americans. Um, so that's really it. Uh, don't, don't ask me why um, this has been part of uh, the S-Corp rules. Actually, the shareholder limit went from 75 to 100 when I was in law school. 20 something years ago, it was 75 shareholders. They jumped that actually to 100. Uh, it's one class of stock, no preferred, it's common. And uh, individuals, um, certain trusts and estates, single member LLCs, 401ks are allowed, not partnerships and corps. So uh, not my rules, it's not even an IRA issue. It's, it's based off uh, the S Corp rules. So uh, that's from Twitter, good question, uh, much appreciated. There you go. I hope um, you guys enjoyed today's episode. I, I did, a lot of fun. I think these were really really good questions. Thanks to Barry, the producer, for putting this together. Uh, much appreciated, and um, that's it. Hope um, everything's going well. Your summer is um, doing great, and um, things are, are, are good at home. And uh, I look forward to talking to everyone again 
next week. Take care of yourself and thanks again for listening.